This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing at MoBetterSoul.com. We're also sponsored by Down East Records at DownEastRecords.com for your record needs. And we're also sponsored by Tussie. Tussie, Tussie, ooh. <laughs> Yo, it's been a long time since I've uh, done an episode of the Negro League Podcast. Some of it is laziness and some of it has just been... Uh, the depression of the corona where it's like, mm. you know, I don't know what the fuck I want to say or do. Yeah. I'm kind of just chilling. But we have a return guest in the building. Introduce yourself. Uh, listen, it's uh, Dr. Napoleon Wells. Uh, they call me the specialist. When the job needs doing, they give me a ring. I come through, clean it up. Bang. <laughs> now, I thought you would be the perfect person to have here uh, for... Uh, the first podcast that I've done in months mm-hmm. because we have 2020, we have a, an array oh, yeah. of topics to pick from. Yeah. So I wanted to introduce the topics to you. So we have <laughs> Corona. Uh-huh. We have 2020 election. Sure. Uh, we have uh, uh, the murders of George Floyd and many mm-hmm. others. And, mm-hmm. and we have protests that went around the entire country. Yeah. Uh, gosh, what else is there? We have Chadwick Boseman passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have... Music, Benny the Butcher just put a new record out. Bruh, uh, <laughs> listen, I, 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 if I had, if it's on me, I say, brother, we should start with the elections okay. and say a bit there, and I think we should make another couple of pit stops. I almost feel like a 2020 discussion, yeah. we're required to. Absolutely. Because if we stay in one place for too long, we'll realize that this year has been a decade Absolutely. long, and so it, it, we'll, let's stop everywhere we can. All right, so... <laughs> So like let's start with I guess the election. I guess yeah. uh, as as recent as last night mm-hmm. since uh Biden and Trump can't be in the same fucking room. Right. Which more reasons than one, right? Like mm-hmm. the the the, uh, the the obvious part would have been, you know, you would think that after they argue so much during that first debate, you right. don't really need another debate. But the other right. part is, you know, Trump still has corona and Correct. he's not <laughs> trying Correct. to have any protective measures for it. So Biden is kind of like, "Ah, fuck that." Yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. um did you see any of that stuff between those two uh, separate town halls? I did. What did you take from those? Uh, nothing new. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, I find to actually be most interesting, maybe even predictable, mm. is that they're at the point in the elections now where they have their talking points. Mm-hmm. Everything is the fault of the other. Mm-hmm. And I've arrived at a place where maybe I don't fault Joe for his approach. Mm-hmm. I, with the 30,000 foot view, in a grand way, would fault Joe in a vacuum mm-hmm. for approaching this in the way that he has, but I consider his opponent. Yeah. And I simply think that Joe has developed a means for engagement that you have to have with someone who is this chaotic. Yeah. Right. You know, I think to some years ago, Floyd Mayweather was fighting. I forget the fighter from Argentina, but he was pushing Floyd against the ropes mm-hmm. and just swinging wildly. Yeah. And what folks wanted to see was Floyd's usual defense and dancing. 
and Floyd had to adapt an approach in that fight that mm-hmm. allowed him Madonna. Okay. In the Madonna fight, uh, it allowed him, I think, to address how chaotic his opponent was. Mm-hmm. And whereas Joe Biden certainly isn't Mayweather, I just think of the psychology <laughs> that yeah. one needs yeah. to approach it, where he's had to try and fight someone who was swinging wildly at him this entire time. Do you have any fear that uh, there's going to be Trump Pence the sequel? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I think we should prepare for that. Um, I don't buy into the numbers. I think that we allowed ourselves to maybe get ahead of ourselves in 16. And we didn't count on the number of hidden voters. And those are people who aren't publicly voicing what their support is and how they live with that support because they don't want to deal with the social repercussions Mm -hmm. of saying that they're conservative and they support Trump and Pence. It's not their loud proponents Mm -hmm. that I'm concerned about. It's those who are hidden and and who very maturely, I think, at times are just like, I don't owe you an explanation and I don't have to fight with you. This is who I'm going to vote for. And and that is everyone's right. It's just weird, though, because it's like I've always felt that, you know, my biggest complaint with people that... Like, it was funny because, like, the first... um, the first debate they were talking to like uh, the undecided voters. Right. If there's anything that I think I've noticed this campaign cycle is that I don't know if I know any undecided voters. Right I, now. There, you, there you are none. Saying? It's like, it's like, <laughs> there if, are none. If it, it's, if you rock with Trump, you rock with him. If you rock with Biden, you know, if, mm-hmm. if for somebody to be on the fence for that, I don't see that happening mm-hmm. so much. And I say that because I feel like the one thing that really disappoints me, and this is another election that we got here in South Carolina, that's getting some national attention is that, you know, um, Jamie Harrison going mm-hmm. against Lindsey Graham, mm-hmm. and and Jamie is raising a lot of money. He raised like he fifty-seven is. million this, this quarter. Correct. He got twelve of my dollars last week because right. I sold like a gift. Right. But um, <laughs> but I I think that one of the things that I thought was interesting, and I want to see your view on this because there's so much of it kind of in South Carolina, is that there was a billboard that Jamie Harrison had around town, mm-hmm. and the billboard literally was just. Um, a quote from Donald Trump talking about Lindsey Graham, right? And, <laughs> right. And and the, the 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 billboard was basically Trump saying Lindsey Graham was the, the dumbest guy ever, this and this mm-hmm. and that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I think about the Republicans, it's weird. I was telling someone the other day. I was like, I think you know, the like if we look at the theoretically, we think that liberals are better people because they're mm-hmm. more inviting for other people. They're mm-hmm. more open to, you know, different religions, mm-hmm. sexual orientations, et cetera, et cetera. So you think they're better people, but I'm like, but I feel like Republicans are better politicians because Absolutely. I feel like, you know, uh, Trump dissed the hell out of Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham dissed the hell out of Trump. Mm-hmm. Then you had the same thing with Nikki Haley dissed mm-hmm. the hell out of Trump. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden, when Trump gets elected, these guys are just like falling line in their backing, right, right? Right. Even um, Como on CNN when he was talking to Ted Cruz. Yeah. Did you see that interview? No. So it was something where they were talking about something, and um, and Ted Cruz tried to be a smart ass to, okay. to Como, and Como was like, "Dude, like, how are you backing Trump when Trump literally called Ted Cruz's wife ugly and fat? Right now, that call, I do. Call, yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, said your dad was a murderer." <laughs> But you're backing him, you know? Right. And I feel like, I think that's probably the most disappointing thing to see, you know, I felt that early on when Trump was campaigning, because he was coming here a lot first. Correct. The Republicans were like, this guy's a joke. Because, like, mm-hmm. I don't think Trump is a Republican. He's know? he's not. I think what they see him 
impactfully and effectively as is a means to an end. Here, he, correct. Here is someone, if, if you were to think about it, you know, and, and look at prison rules, this is not an individual who I agree with, but I'm going to fight side by side with him because he's going to secure our place on the yard. <sighs> That's it. Like, I, don't, I care nothing about him as a human. That's it. But you know what? He's going to walk out onto the yard it's and a, he is going <laughs> to pick every fight and fight. Yeah. And he's going to fight dirty, and he doesn't care how he wins, but he's going to secure our spot on the yard, so yeah. we must go out and support it's, him. It's like a white guy going to prison that even if he's not a racist, he's like, I got to team up with I the have Aryans. to team up with the Aryans <laughs> because the Aryans are going to keep me safe. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and I don't think that in any way liberals, I'm not going to say Democrats, I will say that liberals have determined that they can step back from moral victories. Yeah. Moral victories, meme culture, mm -hmm. you know, making certain that we have the appearance of having won and taken the high road still matters mm -hmm. socially to liberals. And it doesn't necessarily work effectively in this kind of fight. Now, it may in this election, because mm -hmm. we've had four years of Donald Trump and we know what that is like. Mm -hmm. The thing is this, though. His base is completely resistant in any way <laughs> Yo. to to any data, to any argument. Yeah. That because Trump hasn't set forward and said, "Well, I'm being accused of things that I have not done or said." He allows for all of that mm -hmm. to hit the ether, mm -hmm. and he simply says, "Well, this is what my people want anyway." Yeah. And they do, and, and they support that by their vote in. You have a Democratic Party largely, but an overall liberal base, which very badly wants to use what I think are sound human concepts mm -hmm. as their platform, but they aren't built to necessarily win a fight with someone like Trump. Well, that's that's kind of I think that's that's kind of spot on. Right. Where it's just that, you know, I feel like if I'm thinking from that perspective, right, you look at somebody like Mitch McConnell. Right. right. Where right. where, you know. When when Obama was trying to get was it Scalia's seat mm -hmm. filled, mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell's like we we have you know the political power to stall correct in getting that Supreme correct. Court justice, and and now you know Mitch McConnell's like how right. dare they <laughs> yeah right <laughs> how dare you, they you know what I'm saying and and, and even with like you know uh, Jamie Harrison calling mm -hmm. out Lindsey Graham because Lindsey Graham said back in 2016 is like look you know. Use my word. He literally said, "Use my words against me." Absolutely, you know? and like they don't give a fuck. Not at all. <laughs> his 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 base is ultimately saying, you know, he represents what I want anyway. Yeah, you can offer any argument, any counter to yeah. anything he's done or he has said. His most redeeming quality is he's not you, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it come down to? Do you think um, you think Jamie's gonna get it? This is still South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Um, as much progress as I've seen in the state in the time that I've lived here, the idea that South Carolina would be represented by two black men. Well, technically. Technically, <laughs> well, technically, right. <laughs> technically represented by two black men, I think, is frightening yeah. for much of yeah. I, the I, state. I think that's more terrifying Absolutely. To, to, to those people more than anything. Even if Jamie were a staunch conservative. Where, where's... um? When's uh, Tim's next? Uh, Tim Scott's next uh, seat. That is a good uh, question. Fight. I think he has two years before his next okay. fight coming. Because, because if if Jamie was trying to go for Tim Scott, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think he might have bludgeoned him. I don't know, but I don't. I don't think Tim Scott has as much. 
People don't respond to Tim Scott the same way they respond to Lindsey Graham. No, he's he's made himself a very safe alternative. Yeah. Um, he is he says very little publicly yeah. that is incendiary. Yeah. So he's put himself in a very safe space. He is for an individual who is a closeted conservative who mm-hmm. simply looks at themselves as adhering to the values, is dyed in the wool, but doesn't mm-hmm. go out campaigning about being a conservative, Tim Scott's a good choice for them. Yeah. He's sound. Yeah. And and I remember in the first debate when uh, Trump wouldn't denounce uh, uh, white supremacists. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and Tim Scott, they, they asked him about it afterwards because he's what, the sole black Republican in the Senate. Correct. And they were just like, how do you feel about this? And he was just like, well, I think the president misspoke. And he said, but, uh, you know, but if the president doesn't clarify that he right. misspeak, right. then I guess he meant it. So so imagine that. Like, he's kind of giving you exactly. a bit of this and a bit of that. And you know full well he's not going to follow up with the president. But he has to be on the record saying something that accounts for both ends of this argument. Yeah. Very, I mean, as you mentioned, very sound politics. Yeah. A Democrat would have to come out and denounce it, whether yeah. they agreed with it or not. And let's be clear, there are a lot of Democrats who have some very toxic mm-hmm. opinions of race matters and don't oh, yeah. want to appear mm-hmm. to have those opinions, so they toe the party line. Yeah, Ryan just happens, I mean, Tim Scott just happens to be better at his job and doing it for his party than a lot of others are. I, someone, someone asked me this, and I thought about it. They were saying that, you know, uh, Jamie's like outraising the hell out of Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. And Lindsey's terrified. Right. Like, Lindsey was on uh, Hannity mm-hmm. and Fox and Friends. And he was like, please donate some money. Please, please. He was <laughs> just like, he is outraising the hell out of me. I'm right. just getting killed. And, and, like, they were trying to, like, go to commercial because it was, <laughs> it was really, really uncomfortable. Right. 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 And, and he did it on two shows on Fox. Yeah. No, and and uh, what it did, and they didn't want him to necessarily appear to be weak, but I feel it was very calculated. Well, it's, okay. Very we, calculated. We, I'm going to get back to that in a second. Yeah, like, right? watching it, as you meant, very uncomfortable, but it looked very dramatic, very histrionic. Well, because, well, like, I, I think they win on the um the fear mongering, right? Absolutely. So like for an example, um I was talking to somebody when 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 Lindsay said the thing about uh the good old days during segregation, mm-hmm. um people were like, oh he was just joking. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of be like, oh well he was joking, he was saying an off cuff comment. But I'm like, someone isn't a politician for that long right in a battle right with a black man. Right. And you're gonna make a comment about segregation in the good old days, right? Like you're not. It's it's like you can't be smart and then be conveniently stupid when when right. something like this comes up. So in my mind, I felt like it was just a subtle dog whistle, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. that he can say, "Oh, I was just joking," right? But that can stimulate the 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 people that you know think segregation is the good old Listen, days we, to try to put some more money up. We we still live in a place where word of mouth and narrative got Emmett Till murdered. Exactly. And so appearing to be white and weak and on the verge of being victimized mm-hmm. rallies a certain part of that wow. base. And I think he very he very clearly understands that. He, as long as I have observed him, has always been a true politician and not what I call a fuckboy politician. Mm. He has a very clear sense of... I don't want to appear to be conservative. I am going to live as a conservative. And a part of that Mm -hmm. is openly addressing the black menace, 
the yeah. Latinx menace, yeah. the immigrant menace. Oh, yeah. There was the, a, mm-hmm. what was it, what he had like a campaign commercial, it was like, Jamie doesn't want the police anymore. And, you know, <laughs> right. he's just like, you know, all, and all of that stuff is fear mongering. And, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I feel like the, the question my friend asked me the other day, she was like, if Jamie's out raising Lindsay this crazy. Yeah. But the poll numbers are still really, really, really close. She mm-hmm. said, why is that? And I was like, I thought about it. And I think the conclusion I came to is that, you know, Lindsey Graham is going against Jamie Harrison. Mm-hmm. Jamie Harrison is going against not just Lindsey, who's been in, let's say he's been in 20 years. I think he mm-hmm. got his seat in 2003. Mm-hmm. Before that, mm-hmm. Strom Thurmond had that seat 50 years. Right. 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 That's what Jamie is battling. He is battling history. Exactly. Literal history. As, exactly. Yeah. You know, where where, you know, you know, every day I get on Forest Drive, there's like something that's like, you know, Strom Thurmond Streets, there's buildings mm-hmm. named after him. Mm-hmm. Strom Thurmond, who basically was a hundred years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and ran for president as a Dixiecrat and, and a segregationalist. If, and if people were able to vote for him still, they would have. Absolutely. Comfortably. I, a, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so that's the way I look at it. It's just like, you know, he's you know, Jamie's battling that. Correct. And 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 you know I don't want it to go to a Beto situation or Beto situation, right? Mm-hmm. Because that run he did in twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. he did the same thing. He raised tons right. of money, even though they right. said Jamie right. has doubled um in a quarter than when he did. Because I think uh Beto raised like twenty something million in a he quarter did. or whatever. And Ted still walked out with the victory. He did. And the what our state is going to have to come to, not just our state, but our nation is going to have to come to grips with is that there are not just politicians, but politicians walk into institutions. Mm-hmm. The Senate in South Carolina is a Dixiecrat politi- it's a It's an institution. Yeah. Yeah. He's battling monuments. Yeah. And you have he's in a position where he's taking a shot at the king. Mm-hmm. It, that's the throne. Yeah. The king sits in it. It's made for a particular kind of person. He can raise as much money as he wants, but he has to have a means of not missing when he takes his shot. Yeah. And I don't know if he necessarily in our state is going to hit that point. It's a great story. Yeah. But how do you go about toppling the institution? That doesn't happen unless those who buy into the institution don't vote or die off. Yeah. They're worshipers, effectively. Yeah. They got to stop coming to church service, and I don't know if they will. Oof. That, yeah. That's what we're up against, is convincing them or allowing them to simply go extinct. And those two things are, I think, entirely too hopeful. Has, um, has there ever been... No, I don't think so. Has there been a black Democratic senator in the in in the Senate here in South Carolina? Not that I know of. No, I don't think so either. No, 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 I don't think so either. Um, he would be the first. And I mean, you if you think about some of the strongest black politicians in the state, um, overwhelmingly they ascend to a certain position. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't name any names, but they become institutions in those positions. Mm-hmm. But at the very top of the state. Now, some of our more famous political personalities lost their races, mm-hmm. who happened to be black yeah. in the state. Lost their races, wherever they were, but maintained relationships and a focus in the community. And, I mean, the one name I'll say, Bakari Sellers should be governor of South yeah, Carolina. Right? Yeah. Reasonably. Yeah. I, say, I can say his name because 
outright you're talking about an individual who I think represents all of the best of the state, mm-hmm. but again was going up against history and yeah. institutions. And that and that was the other thing too that he talked about in his book was that sometimes you know it's it's weird, right? Because you, you can apply it to other things like mm-hmm. like the NFL or whatever, where it's like. Uh, Bakari was talking about how his age is kind of weaponized against Absolutely. him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. um, but like, you know, you look at like, you know, an NFL team would hire some young ass white boy mm-hmm. because somehow, some way, they feel like, oh, I can, the people in the institutions, like, oh, I can see myself in this. Person. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Which, which I also feel like, you know, was interesting when Obama won. Mm-hmm. I think Obama was like, I, I need Biden to be my VP, my VP because I need the old man. Sure. You know, because some somehow, some way, mm-hmm. they're not going to trust me as this mm-hmm. young person in here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's ultimately how Biden got the nomination Absolutely. this time. Is that, is that, you know, even even with people that are liberal or Democrat that say they want... Um, new and fresh ideals, mm-hmm. you know, it was still down to two old white guys. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. So I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know what happens if I, I have a few theories. I feel like if Biden wins, I don't think we're going to know unless it's just like a landslide. Right. I don't think it's a such thing as election night victory. I think it's going to take a while. This it's there there will there will be a fight. Yeah. And where projections tell us very little. Again, I I just all oh, together yeah, don't Hillary, trust Hillary, them. We thought Hillary was going to whoop his ass. She was going to walk away with yeah. it. Like no way he wins. And I think again his very silent base is going to turn out again mm-hmm. because of the fear of the horde that is coming, especially with White a women. black woman. Mm-hmm. Being <laughs> VP one seat away from the throne, yeah, no, 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 Yo, no. I mean, listen, bro, that's gonna it, scare the fuck. Oh my god, yeah. So I think they'll turn out. Um, wow. I mean, and what I feel Biden is going to do effectively is to delegate. Yeah, he is not going to be an incredibly active president in terms of the number of policies that he brings to the table with him. Yeah. And that one big win that presidents always have. I don't know what his ACA level I, I of mean, victory maybe, is going to be. Maybe it's just trying to get the fucking curve down, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe it's, you know, implementing, like, federal guidelines for handling corona. Sure. Because as of now, it's like, oh. It's a free-for-all. States, states do yeah. what you want. It's, you know it's a free-for-all. Like, yeah. Place to place, you have no yeah. idea, you know? So maybe... Maybe it's him just to play janitor, but it's like mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when he was debating on whose VP was going to be. Um, I I had a lot of people like wondering who it was going to be, and I said I think it's going to be Kamala. And it was like why? I said because I don't I don't feel as if because if you look back at 2016, right? If if he wanted to run, I think he would have ran then. I don't think mm-hmm. he had any intention of being president. Mm-hmm. His son had just passed away. He's just mm-hmm. like, all right, you know. Kind of like the conversation him and Obama had. Mm-hmm. Obama was like, "Don't jump into this shit and fuck up my legacy." You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, like right. let's let's retire with six rings. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like, he's like, "Don't play for the and, Wizards." And, and see, and and the thing there, I think, what was brilliant about President Obama's approach was instead of looking and saying who would be an ideal 
Pippen, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think, looked and said, who would be a good running mate with me? Yeah. Right? So instead of having to have another superstar, which Joe wasn't, you mm-hmm. know I mean? Effectively, mm-hmm. Joe was well-known. Yeah. But there was a reason why Joe didn't finish the fight where he yeah. wanted to finish it. President Obama was like, I need someone who isn't supremely ambitious, who I yeah. can work well with, yeah. is going to come down to court and is going to know how to defer to me when it's time. Yeah. Is that who Kamala is for Joe? Well, this is this is what I was thinking. I don't think that's I don't think Kamala's that for Joe. Okay. And I think that's why. I think that when when my friends were like suggesting that he was gonna get other uh black women to be his mm-hmm. running mate, mm-hmm. I was just like, none of those black women showed any interest in wanting to be president. Right. And I felt like in in Joe's mind, he's like, Look, get me in here mm-hmm. so you know, we can try to get this Trump shit clean up as much as I can. Right. And I think he's acknowledging his age. Oh, certainly. I, I think I think he's, I think he's probably saying, "Look, I don't know if I'm going to finish a term. Right. I'm definitely <laughs> not going to do two terms. Right. So let me get somebody that has shown mm-hmm. that they want to be president. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he, I don't think he has the luxury of getting a Biden who's just like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm cool being back here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, a part of the vice president. Well. Let me tell you, part of your running mate's job is to draw voters. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to win in spaces where you aren't necessarily present. Mm-hmm. They have to bring voters to the table in spaces where you aren't necessarily fully realized yeah. as a candidate. I think Kamala represents that well. I mean, among all of those who were available to him, I don't know if she represented it best. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably be Cory Booker. Yeah. Uh, I know some folks are going to probably take shots at me for saying so, but I think that's a reality. I mean, I, I, I like I like Corey. Um, I think it was another thing where I really feel, you know, politics is theater. And I think yeah. I think Joe is basically yeah. like, man, he's like, is 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 many black women that that got into, you know, the runnings of of, you know, Whatever elections we're mm-hmm. talking about, it can mm-hmm. be from that commercial they had with the black women mayors in the right. country right. to people like AOC, right. a woman of color. He's like, there's no way I can move forward without. Not, yeah. yeah, not considering I, the promises he had made. Yeah. You know, he painted himself into a corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, in his mind, he, I think Joe is like envisioning AKAs lining up around the world. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, you tell sisters you're going to do some shit. Listen, it better get done. And considering the quality of the candidates he had available to them, like Kamala's a phenomenal vice president. She would make, in all likelihood, a quality president because I think she is practical. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware of her record as your chief law enforcement agent mm-hmm. in the state of California. Mm-hmm. Plenty of questions about that. However, mm-hmm. this is a different role entirely. And she, at least on the surface, I think has demonstrated a certain amount of growth away from much of what we saw of the policy there in Cali. You know, and I, and I'm, I read a book and, and she touches on some of that. And I, and I have a question. It's like, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way, who, how did he say it? Like Fonte said something on Twitter that I thought was interesting. And it was basically, you know, a lot of times we look at things in hindsight and, and you know, we, we can be very, very kind of like harsh mm-hmm. on, on things when we know more. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Fonte was talking about was that how uh, people look at uh, how crime was, was taken, like the, the crime act against the Clinton thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like a response to, you know, inner cities and crack. Mm-hmm. Crack was huge, correct, and and the way that we look at 
how the laws are so much stronger against people in the black community, how much the, the, the laws are so stronger against people that might have been crack users and stuff like that. And it was just this thing that seemed to be weaponizing black people. Mm -hmm. He said, Fonte said something interesting. He said, you know, if you ask black people at that time, they probably wanted, you know, like the older black folks community, they probably wanted that type of policy absolutely to be like a, a you know an ass kicker too yeah you know and yeah, he yeah. said it's one of those rare moments where it's just like you know it can be simultaneously we could have done this better mm -hmm. and at the same time i could understand how some of this shit happened so right. it's like i i would say what is your how do you look at something like that right when we when we're looking at uh, those those crime bills that Biden was, yeah. was for in the nineties, a lot of type of stuff. Like, how do you I, put that in perspective now in twenty twenty? Looking, I back think un, unfortunately the the lives of black people are always going to be a tradable commodity mm. in some way, mm. and anyone involved in law enforcement is essentially a stock trader. Mm. And I'm saying trader, not trader. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got some you. of y'all yeah, are just yeah, waking. Yeah. I'm saying a stock <laughs> trader. <laughs> and uh, a part of the difficulty then becomes how you go about doing that job on whatever level and in whatever place your filter is to best represent the interests of all communities involved. Mm -hmm. But our community is viewed largely as a problem. Yeah. There's a great deal of crime in many of our communities that we want to be extinguished mm -hmm. and we want to see swift action taken. And we, in many instances, feel powerless. Crime bills then become almost the will of kind of this collective conscience, mm. right? Gang members are powerful. Drug units, cartels, crews are powerful. There are so many guns. We can't force people to not use them. This kind of powerlessness and this outcry is what fuels them. Mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say that she was practicing the will of the people. Mm -hmm. And that's almost what any president, what any DA is forced to do is to determine what the will of the people are. If, yeah. if they're effectively doing their job, they're hearing what the people want. Yeah. And unfortunately, that doesn't very often benefit the vulnerable. Wow, you're right. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and it's like... It's like if you look at uh, crime happening in a in a neighborhood, you got like people that just like you know lock them up, yeah. But they don't look at you know what could be the underlying factors. Why that's correct? Crime in the Why is it <laughs> you know li li literally any place on planet Earth where you have particular kinds of crimes, drug activity, property crimes, you have rampant poverty, yeah. But we never boil it down to that point where we say, well, if we effectively did something about poverty systemically, mm -hmm. not just giving kids somewhere to go after school, not yeah. just putting money in pockets, how do we go about redistributing wealth mm -hmm. and impactfully addressing yeah. poverty? How do we impact the psychology that develops from those who have lived an impoverished life? Mm -hmm. If we don't address those things... Yeah. Crime is just going to be manifest in a new and evolved way. Criminals are going to commit crimes. Yeah. The poor are going to find a way to feed and house themselves. Mm -hmm. They're just going to look at the system and determine a way to backdoor it. Yeah. Right? So crime bills just become a matter of moving that cup around. Yeah. And then cutting off the oxygen to everyone who's underneath it. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it's like, you know, it's like I have this like, 
I have this like pet peeve that I see that goes on a lot now where it's like my pet peeve is like um, there's like this rapper and he's he's a cool guy and some of his stuff I really I really like what he does it's uh I'm not gonna say his name but okay he, you know he's famous he's not gonna listen to this but uh-huh. he does these really 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 um simplistic you know motivational videos right mm-hmm. like like one of my biggest pet peeves the tie it in I remember I saw this around town on the anniversary of Charleston Nine I don't know if they mm-hmm. put it up because of that but you know, on Main Street, and this is, like, right after, like, the George Floyd murder, and you see this big sign that says, Hope, right? Right. And, right. and then I'm driving past 701, and I see someone right on the building, togetherness, right? And and, yeah. I, get, I, and I get frustrated <laughs> with it. Right. Because I'm basically, like, you know, these, these fucking platitudes that, that mean nothing. Right. That, that I think that, you know, white folks like, oh, this just sounds great. You know, right. say, you know, I was having a conversation with a white friend, and I want to touch on this too. He was mm-hmm. just like, um, we were talking about Lovecraft because he's okay. like a science fiction guy. Move, said, move into, I mean, go go with Lovecraft. Man. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, we want to get into it. But uh-huh. he said, like, you know, he kind of in a nutshell was kind of like, I can't watch it because I don't want to keep feeling like I'm an asshole as a white man, right? Right, right. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was that made for an interesting conversation. <laughs> right. But but he said to me, he says, you know, you know. If something says that we're in this together, then I'm for that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all that shit sounds corny to me. Like, right. Because we're not into this together. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, we're not in this together. It's that, you know, when when white folks get pulled over by cops, mm-hmm. no matter the, the worst case scenario to them might be to get arrested. Right. There's no such thing as them thinking There's that no they're fear not going to survive yeah. the, the encounter. There's no fear of death. You know, we're not in it together because we're on these different pages. And it's right. like... What, what what frustrates me with these motivational videos is that this this rapper says this shit, and it's just like really really like cheesy mm-hmm. uh, you know motivational speeches you would give in a locker room. He's right. like, you know, you better get you got to get up every day. You got to give it a hundred percent every day. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, and it, here's the thing that kills me with him, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, you know, Bill Gates. You know what I'm saying? He he got a He's a billionaire because he didn't, you know, he didn't rest. You know, he worked seven days a week, blah, 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 blah. And then it becomes this thing in white people, in black people's minds that really frustrates me is that mm-hmm. you look at wealthy white people. Right. And they assume that they got what they, they were worked. because they earned They exactly. worked. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> now, nah, bro, listen, man. Um, I've, I've been sick and tired of this idea of the meritocracy mm-hmm. for decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my whole life and just didn't realize it. Um, I think that a part of what has crippled our society with regard to its growth and its maturation is that we go out of our way to intoxicate white people. Mm-hmm. We want them to be emotionally comforted. We want them to feel emotionally balanced at the expense mm-hmm. of every other segment of the population. We need all of you to find some means to drug us, mm-hmm. massage us, mm-hmm. feed us grapes until mm-hmm. we are as comfortable as we can be. Even if it means us surgically mm-hmm. changing ourselves physically and emotionally yeah. to be palatable to yeah. them. It's, it's hateful. I find there is a bit of hatred even in someone who is a friend of yours mm-hmm. saying to you, mm-hmm. well, listen, man, like, I don't want to feel... Yeah. How? 
in a space where you have yeah. this black story told about black lives and, and it being as layered as it is, uh-huh. you can't bring yourself to tolerate mm-hmm. the discomfort mm-hmm. of experiencing your privilege yep. for an hour at a time. I, I'm it's, telling you. And, it, and I had to, the way I had to, it was weird, right? Because like, I want to be with my friends and my family. Mm-hmm. I always have a rule is that if somebody shares some vulnerable stuff with me, I right. never want to put somebody in a position where they're like, right. I regret telling you that. Right, right, and right. So my, it took a lot for me to listen to him say this. You know what I mean? Because in his mind, he's an ally. Right. And he's a great friend or whatever. Right. But hearing him articulate that, right. I was just like, oh, I'm like, well, you know, when George Floyd gets killed, and you see what happens around. I'm sorry, when George Floyd got shot. Well, Floyd got shot, and so he can't keep up with it. Um, and who was the gentleman that got shot in the back by the cops? Um, I know, and, and uh, well, Floyd got tr- suffocated. So, um, Floyd was suffocated. Yeah, yeah. Um, the brother in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Who shot? I forget his, forget the brother's name, and forgive me for forgetting it. But you know, and mm-hmm. I think that kind of proves the point is that it like we talk about it like right. like stats on a on a correct on a, you know, on a basketball correct. team. It's like yo, how many? It's it's, it's, it's on like an that. Excel yeah. sheet, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so all that stuff was happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. like the way he's he don't want to see Lovecraft. I'm like, well, shit, I can't watch the news. Right, <laughs> I can't walk outside. You right. know what I'm saying? So it's like you know, and maybe in a weird way. You know, white friend, if you watch stories about black mm-hmm. lies by mm-hmm. black people, mm-hmm. maybe you can have a further understanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so, I I thought that was interesting how he approached that, and I and I thought that it was very very frustrating, especially because he tried to pull that whole like you know, we're I'm I'm here for everyone. Right. Into, I'm like dog. It don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? What, what I've experienced largely in. You know how often I am out there in the community and I have mm-hmm. these engagements with a, a wide swath of people. What I've come to experience is that for many white people, black lives matter wherever they are. Yeah. And they don't necessarily yeah. matter fully in their space. Mm-hmm. Right? They aren't willing to take as many steps back as necessary for whatever the new, more developed bit of room black lives need is. Yeah. I think Lovecraft Country is one of the kinds of approaches that is pushing the boundary. Mm-hmm. We need to have more of it. Right. Mm-hmm. There, I was watching this documentary called uh, Horror Noir, and okay. it's about uh, black horror okay. and the history of black horror films. And of course it mentions Get Out mm-hmm. and how audiences, Mm -hmm. white audiences to a degree, they certainly went to see it. Mm -hmm. Some of the feeling and reaction for them was that looking for more of themselves in it. Yeah. Where is the white savior going to come? Because the white savior is going to show up at some point. And (laughs) Peel was specifically like, "Mm, the white savior isn't coming. And some of the, the continued discomfort that we've given to white people, even those who consider themselves allies, is that there's room for them to save the day. Yeah. As opposed to them taking a step back and very humbly waiting on us to give them the agenda. Yeah. Even if the agenda is like, we're going to celebrate our lives over here and you go be the shields yeah, while we yeah. do so. Here yeah. is the product that we're bringing you. Just buy the product and pay attention. Yeah. Focus in on the story that we're telling. Yeah. No need for you to project your emotions into it. Yeah. You are a spectator and you get to be the audience 
but you don't get to dictate in this space. Yeah, you, you're so spot on about that. Like, when are we going to come? And I think the other thing that bother white people is that when you're setting everything up, mm-hmm. all the white people were the white people that thought they were the good guys. You know? Right. Like, oh, I wish I could vote for Obama a third term. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, right. so, so it wasn't like, it wasn't like you're being, it wasn't like the black characters were being terrorized by MAGA hat wearing <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, because they can detach from that. They're like, oh, Correct. I'm not like that at all. You Correct. know what I'm saying? Correct. So, and, so, yeah. then, and there's a kind of horror in that. Mm-hmm. And and by that, I mean, I don't know if white people very often, re- well, no, they do. What am I saying? They realize <laughs> completely that very often our relationships with them and attachment to them have leverage. Mm. We don't ourselves very often want to appear to be the kind of black person that is willing to cut all of them off. Mm-hmm. And as a result, many of us want to be the very well-rounded, celebrated, kind of embraced, mm-hmm. multi-layered, magical Negro. Yeah. And and they leverage that. They're yeah. like, no, 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 no. I know you're not one of those angry ones that's going <laughs> to... Exactly. Nigga, I'm mad as fuck in this moment. Yeah. So here, that's what I need you to make room for. And, and, that's, and that becomes a thing where, you know, being like the only black columnist for the paper here... Mm. Um, which I won a South Carolina Press Association Award for columns. For yes, columns. sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm trying to pick that shit up so I can frame it in that <laughs> space right there is what I'm putting that motherfucker. But, but it's, it's weird, right? Because I'm put in this, this situation where all of a sudden you find out that you are um, one of the few black voices or maybe literally the only black voice mm-hmm. in, a, in a particular medium in town mm-hmm. that I feel, you know, a lot of it sometimes, you know, is is you know, you put it on yourself to feel this responsibility. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's a it's a Chris Rock quote where he said, like, to white people, Tom Hanks is a great actor. Right. Denzel is a god to his people. Right. And there's this responsibility that happens with us when we put in these situations where right. we have to speak on behalf of our people. And right. so I made it a point that when I would do my column work, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to be as angry as I need to be. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, especially after George Floyd... I don't want to have something where I'm like, you know, it's everything is in this tiny little bowl, and, and right. what we need is togetherness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, like, right. like, I'm basically like, yo, I'm pissed as hell. Y'all racist as fuck. Mm-hmm. I have no fucking answers. Right. <laughs> because on top of all of this, there's a pandemic, and it's like to see the protests around the country. I'm like, do you know how fucking angry we have to be that we would go in the streets and protest mm-hmm. with thousands of people? Mm-hmm. During a, pan- During a pandemic. pandemic, yeah. I want to touch on that in a second, but I want to I want to keep on uh, love yes, crab. Yes, um, sir. Someone said something I thought was interesting. Let me grab my phone to find it. Okay, and get my refill. Okay. These listeners are going to just have to wait. Yeah, no, they can wait a couple of seconds <laughs> while we sort it out. You know, I mean, I, if they haven't seen all of Lovecraft Country, they should catch up. It's uh, I think it's a magnificent piece of art, week to week. This is something. That somebody posted. Okay. And are you up to date on it? I am. Okay. And and at 42 minutes and 41 seconds, guys, we might do spoilers. I don't know. But just to, if y'all haven't seen it, we just want to keep you guys uh, abreast. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone made this tweet. And a friend of mine sent it to me and said, what do you think? Uh, this woman says, I want to write about why Lovecraft Country took risks at the expense of its black audience and made collective black traumas fodder for a show that is mediocre at best. 
how deeply mm-hmm. would y'all hate me? And so I, my friend was basically saying, do you think that Lovecraft is way too traumatic? Because like the past couple of episodes, right. like, you know, my friend was like, I'm crying every week. Right. You know what I mean? My friend is like, I, yeah, she's like, uh, uh, what did she say? She said, I had to watch <laughs> Rugrats in Paris <laughs> after after watching this episode of Lovecraft right. because it was too emotionally traumatic. Yeah, do, do I believe that it's too traumatic? I think it will be for some people, possibly. Uh, overall, as a series of pieces of connected art, no, mm-hmm. I don't believe it is. I think if you place it in context... Mm-hmm. It's not. There can be trauma there because they are giving us actual history mm-hmm. connected to this overall story and asking us to answer which was more horrific, mm-hmm. which is more horrific, mm-hmm. the actual history or this piece that we're tying into it. Yeah. And this piece is horror and science fiction, but can you imagine what this life was like for the black people who had to live it? Yeah, I mean, because of like a lot of the horrors, it's are you know, it's it's grounded it, in it really happens, yeah, body horror, and yep. we didn't have control mm-hmm. over our bodies, like horror in around our music and and around our lives and the choices that we had to make, returning from war and still basically being treated as if we are an alien in a country that we fought for, mm-hmm. like all of these things. I think. If you take the larger, again, 30,000-foot view of Lovecraft Country, it explores overall black life, and it explores humanity mm-hmm. in ways that I think are very interesting. We're given people who are very complex and layered mm-hmm. in an environment that is complex and layered in a country that was very fractured yeah. and remains so. Yeah. But no, no, I, I, would, I don't think you don't tell a story. Uh, because it's difficult to tell. And in that instant, it's a story worth telling. Now, uh, is it overrated? Because she makes (laughs) the point in her tweet that, listen, it isn't as good as you folks are saying it is. I'd be honest with you, you know, not to be a prisoner of the moment, you know, because I want to kind of pull back. I really feel as as a, a, a collective work, that season of Watchmen was incredible. Watchmen was amazing. Yeah, and, Watchmen and, was fantastic. And, and I would and I would probably argue it had more pressure because of the source material that Absolutely. everybody loved so much. Absolutely. As soon as you found out that this is something totally different from the book, mm-hmm. you know, and Alan Moore is an asshole about anything with this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to nail the dismount, because the other thing too, um, the people that created it. They did the leftovers. You ever watch right. the leftovers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the funny things that they said about the leftovers was they said that uh, every season looked like it could stop Correct. after it was done. Correct. Because they never knew if they were going to get canceled. Right. And so they always kind of, as a fuck you to HBO, was kind of like, all right, well, we're going to set this show up that if y'all get rid of us, I'm not going to have we this big this. question. Yeah, yeah we're we not, not going to have a Deadwood situation, right? Correct. And so I think for them to do that season of Watchmen so perfectly mm-hmm. and HBO's on their dick. Like, well, right. second season. What what, we'll, what, we'll what are we going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they basically like, nah, we don't no. want to do it. No. Nah. We, we treat it like a mini series and right. just get it out the way. That's I, done. I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. Um, so comparatively, I, I think I, I enjoy Watchmen better than Lovecraft. Now, the weird, there's a weird part of me that one of the things that annoys me 
with Lovecraft and maybe until I see everything all together, it's like, it's sort of kind of like that thing, the white hero thing, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. it's always kind of like, all right, man, every once in a while something happens. Mm-hmm. Hey, this white woman got to come in and, and, and save the day. Yeah. There was, there was an episode, I'll tell you, there was an episode that I got so angry. Uh-huh. So context, there was a, what Star Wars movie was it? The first one when Finn was in it. Um, I can't remember which one, but it was like the, like when they had this little the reboot that they did mm-hmm. with Finn. I remember watching uh, Monday Night Football and they showed okay. that preview mm-hmm. for the first time, mm-hmm. and like me and my homie, we going crazy over mm-hmm. calling each other like "nigga," mm-hmm. the new Star Wars, and there was mm-hmm. that scene in the in the preview where Finn is like it's like snowing. And he pulls. He it activates up. the lightsaber. Oh, yeah, that shit was like ridiculous. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, right? but so, yeah. <laughs> but so like when I but when I watched the movie, <laughs> right? And he pulled that lightsaber out. I'm yeah. like, yo, he about to fuck shit up. Right. Next thing you know, his ass get kicked. Right. Uh, uh was her name Ren? Has to save him. Ray, Ray has to come Ray, in and save his life. Save yeah. Yeah. And this nigga is unconscious until the sequel. Correct. <laughs> right? Correct. And I'm like, I'm like what the hell yo. happened here, bro? Because listen, I was all, <laughs> yo, me and my black friends, we went to go see it. We were already frustrated that goddamn Finn was a janitor. Yeah. Right? But when we felt like, yo, there's a redemption coming when that lightsaber mm-hmm. lit up. And for him to get knocked out, saved by the white girl. Right. You know? And it, it's just knocked the fuck out. I, I thought, I'll tell you, my fear for Lovecraft Country was in the first episode we were going to see a lot of that. Because mm-hmm. when you have them being chased out of that sundowning county, mm-hmm. and here come these magnificently white white people in their magnificently white magic car, mm-hmm. and they stop them from being effectively killed, mm-hmm. I'm like, I think we're in store for more of that. I'll tell and, you. And it's, it, the, the series has avoided well, that generally. Uh, there's a few times where, like, you know, they have to call the white chick to save the day. And Correct. Like, but, but here's this one episode that really, really killed me, right? Because, like, uh, the episode when, uh, what's her name? The Journey, Smollett's character. Letty. Yeah. She ends up getting that house. Mm-hmm. And so the previews, so imagine me watching previews for that episode mm-hmm. where... They show the previews where it's like, you know, white folks are fucking with the house, don't sit mm-hmm. And then you see a bunch of black folks. <laughs> click, clack, click, clack. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. This next episode, uh-huh. you know, you know, the black folks will be shooting at these craggers. Right. Do you remember what happened in the episode? Literally, this is what happens, right? So Off white the people top sp- of my head, I'm blank. What? Here's, here's exactly what happened. So the white folks, you know, they keep fucking with them. They keep putting, like, you know, the brick on the horns and all this type of stuff. And they hear something. And all the black guys come outside with shotguns. Like, they're ready mm-hmm. for it. And the next thing you know, uh, Letty's sister, when they hear yeah, police yeah, out, yeah, 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 she yeah, just yeah, yeah, pulls yeah. up. Uh-huh. They throw all their shotguns in the trunk. Mm-hmm. And all the black people just get on their knees. And I'm like, word. Like, seeing that preview of them click clacking. Here's what we thought was going now. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, word? They didn't they didn't bust a grape? Like, what I, here's that's closer to reality than fair enough. the alternative. But, and, and what would thing, have happened. And my thing is, hey man, if and and let's be honest, right? Like I, I feel like like science fiction that touches on the Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it is frustrating to think that the only way we can get justice is through film. Correct. Right? 
It's Correct. just like it's like you know, it's not coming any other way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so I'm like, well, shit. It, as long as we, as long as this shit is fictional and it's mm-hmm. fantasy or whatever, mm-hmm. why not have these niggas shoot at a cop? You know. I, it, I, I, yes. Then <laughs> I feel that it's such an important series of pieces of art that mm-hmm. they, it should have been explored. Mm-hmm. Right. I was speaking with my son in the car the other day as I think about the difference between a piece of art being important Mm -hmm. and necessarily good or great or classic like and he was talking about Black Panther Mm -hmm. right and he says to me more or less because you know we're a family like most black families you know we throw out a number of lines that are unrelated be like as you can see (laughs) I am not dead like that kind of thing right (laughs) just out of the blue and he's like dad you know what like Panther's not really great. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I, and you can understand, like, yeah. this boy is going to say on Angela Bassett's Earth, <laughs> this film, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I nearly crashed, right? But I, as I put that same frame, that lens, onto Lovecraft Country, I think because it is so important, and in terms of themes, thematically, sexuality mm-hmm. is explored. Mm-hmm. And... We have a hero who is very flawed Yeah. in Tick. Mm-hmm. Um, we have women who are very powerful, but still at times have shown weakness. Mm-hmm. And instead of making it, you know, here's this amazingly always on point queen, these sisters are very human. Mm-hmm. And they have very difficult choices to make in the, the context and the circumstances given to them. Mm-hmm. What I think makes it such an important piece of art is that it explores that. And then doesn't always give us easy answers. Yeah. It gives us circumstances. You have a Native American character Mm -hmm. and you have black characters. This is naturally going to go well. (laughs) Right. Right? There should be some symmetry. And then an immediate left turn. Because in that time, given those circumstances, that's how that would have gone. Yeah. And as a result, you know, I find myself... Thinking, yes, certainly a lot of this imagery, as she mentioned, it is very difficult imagery to deal with and very difficult story for us to cover with a very difficult history. Mm -hmm. But there's so much importance in telling the story and visiting the story and it not just being a slave narrative. Yeah, Yeah, This, in fact, is more tied to what could have been and it being speculative. And I think that's the point in history where we are. Let us tell our story in another way and explore it as we're seeing it. And I, I find it to be pretty courageous as a result. Well, I think also it's, it's written by a black woman. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, speaking of the slave narrative, I think she also did the other show, the um, the underground show. She did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. You ever watched that? No. no. I didn't watch it either. No. Um, no. I, I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't feel I have to expose myself to... Mm-hmm. any media dealing with slavery not anymore i don't want for us to feel there's certainly different ways to tell that story yeah i but, tell you, i tell you this is how i feel about it right it's like when i saw saving private ryan mm-hmm. it kind of fucked it up for every other war movie because i kind of felt like i they handled this so well okay i don't need to watch another world war ii movie mm-hmm. right and, and i feel like if somebody wants to pitch a world war ii movie to a studio they're gonna be like saving private ryan yeah after watching 12 Years a Slave, mm-hmm. I'm like, 
all right, I don't think I need to watch another one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like they handled this. Uh-huh. They, they handled this pretty well, mm-hmm. you know. And and speaking of the trauma, right? And I feel like when when people get frustrated about slave narratives, I tell you the one thing that I feel about Twelve Years a Slave that's an exception that why I appreciate it more than anything else is is this fact. I feel like I tell people like the. The fact that you know, or one of the reasons you can know that white folks historically know how terrible they were mm-hmm. was during the times of the antebellum South and enslaved black people, we were prohibited from learning how to read and write. Mm-hmm. And a part of me feels they did that so we can't tell the world Absolutely. how fucking awful they were. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So even when you read the, the slave narratives or even the, the new book that just came out mm-hmm. that was discovered by Zora Neale Hurston who was ta- talked to by an enslaved person, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything on film directly from the words of the person that experienced it. Correct. So Solomon Northup um, was a free man an educated free man mm-hmm. and was able to write his own story of his experience. Correct. So there's no degrees of separation. It's right. like what you're seeing is exactly what he right. This is not someone who has to empathize. Exactly. This is not it, someone who has to sympathize. I experienced this and or, I'm giving this to you directly. Or something's not lost in translation. Correct. Right? Because if somebody's mm-hmm. trying to, you know, trying to explain it to you, you know, you mm-hmm. have somebody like, um, you know, well, I think they meant this. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so, and, and for the most part, 12 Years a Slave is exactly Solomon Northup's book. Mm-hmm. And that made it really, really kind of like more harrowing for me because I'm Absolutely. like, fuck, all right, well, this is coming directly from his mouth. And so I feel like in that regard, and that's kind of also why I feel like I, need, I don't need to watch another one. Right, right. <laughs> like, so right. Like, you know. I mean, a, a part of my resistance to certain projects, and it's not only projects related to slavery in that time period when it's, this rare black flower overcomes, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like, well, we're going to tell you the story of the first ever black high lie player <laughs> and their harrowing journey to high lie victory. I'm like, dude, I'm out on that, man. Like, I, and, and I appreciate that those stories are critically important because yeah. of where they were in history. What um, it's traumatic for me to continually expose myself different than what the kind of trauma that's offered by Lovecraft, the reality on this other end where Mm -hmm. it's like my people are still having to make these things as if they are infant milestones. Yeah. And we have, we're having to, we're forced to celebrate those in media and we should celebrate some of them, but I want to see more media that shows black people doing the things that black people do Mm -hmm. all the time. Well, you know, and that's the other thing too, is that, you know, the, the one the one thing too that happens with those black milestone movies is that there's always the white guy that gave the chance. Listen, he there's was always branch. Ritchie. He was he was a, a, an amazing high life player, and here was Jeffrey Sims, the coach who believed in yeah, him. Like, yo, nah, they, man. They always have to have that every guy. time. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. And that yeah. was the thing that I, I always hated about the Jackie Robinson narrative is that you know, yeah, Branch Ricky signed him, and I get it, and all that type of stuff. But it was like. You know, they milked the fuck out of that. And it they was did. Like, they did. Know. And Branch Rickey also told him directly, I am signing you, but I expect that you are going to take this abuse and be years, dignified yep. about Dog. it. So that's, <laughs> and that was the thing too, right? Is that 
you know, Jack, he wasn't the best player in the Negro Leagues. Correct. But but he knew he couldn't convince Josh Gibson not to fuck a nigga up. Right. <laughs> like he, right. he couldn't convince Satchel Page not to throw a hundred mile right. uh, uh, a fastball at right nigga somebody's the eye, head. You know yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. And Jackie, his his approach is is his story is very, very interesting to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like I don't know where he aligned politically, but I think right. he might have been Republican closer to the end of it, right? Okay. And, and and so there was this thing where, you know, when we talk about the platitudes, right, I, 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 I feel like, you know, you take something like, this is where I look at it. You take something like Jackie, and Jackie was one of those, you know, those the, the pull yourself up by the bootstraps guys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where, I give you an example. Herman Cain was really disappointing to me and how he died and died with the stupidity of of, of thinking like whiteness is going to save him. Right? right. Like you go 70 something year old, you go to this big rally where people are just, they said at that rally, people were given masks and mm-hmm. literally just throwing them just in the trash. Just throwing them in the you trash. Know? Yeah. And so to see Herman die so foolishly mm-hmm. was really kind of frustrating. And I told my friend, I said, you know, I told him, when I think of black Republicans, there's like, I don't understand the Candace Owens of the world, mm-hmm. but I can look at Herman Cain and I can understand it. I don't agree mm-hmm. with it, but I can see, all right, here's Herman Cain who probably grew up in poverty, right. uh, uh, had to fight like a motherfucker, and he ends up becoming conservative after he makes his, his money, and then he can look at people and say, oh, well, I did this, why can't why you can't do you? it? You know, right. Like, you know, the Ben Carsons of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, when when I when I think of people like him, it, you know, I'm like I, I I get how how you got to this place, um, but it gets frustrating when I think of like people like like the 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 Ben Carsons of the world mm-hmm. is that there's never that acknowledgement of hey man I went through some crazy shit to right. get here. So like the Jackie Robinson aspect of it was Jackie was really, really vocal against Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And he pulled that, you know, well, Ali should join the military he, because he, this country gave so much to he him. He made himself more palatable. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I'm like, Jackie, you were known for, there's a story about him in the military threatening to fuck somebody up because extreme <laughs> right. racism. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if anything, Jackie, who went through this stuff, should mm-hmm. be more understandable by about mm-hmm. it. But he pulls that whole thing of, well, I built myself up by the bootstraps of this. Mm-hmm. So you should too and appreciate what this country gave. And I'm like, Jackie, like, do you see what you had to go through to get here? There's you know? there's a, a a very there's an incredibly powerful narrative around our suffering. Mm-hmm. And very often the societal narrative is that we've earned some of it. And mm-hmm. that we simply will not do enough to counter it. Ooh, okay. And if you are raised in this society, it becomes a kind of hum just below the surface. Mm-hmm. And black people living with black people, we often see the end product mm-hmm. and not what led to it. You know, this this dude who is drug addicted or alcohol addicted, who may not be as productive a citizen as we like. If the society is telling you simply stop doing that and you can be productive, mm-hmm. we're wondering why we see so many black men and women doing that. Mm. Why won't they simply, there must be something about us and our condition. So how do I distance myself from it? And if I'm magical enough to have overcome it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why can't they, right? There must be something about me that is closer to them than to 
wow. the community that and in we then want to distance ourselves as if being black in the conditions that are giving given to us is a disease. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to catch it, so I have to distance myself, you know, somehow. You know, the funny thing is the the interesting thing I think about like the Trump shit, right, is that they they don't have black support. Right. But the people that do support them, I thought I thought this is hilarious. It's like Trump's inauguration, this motherfucker had a band of white kids singing James Brown songs. Right. He couldn't get any he couldn't get anybody to perform at this motherfucker. Right. But the biggest artist in the world that happens to be black mm-hmm. that supports him, mm-hmm. Kanye, mm-hmm. you didn't call Kanye to perform at your inauguration? Right. Right. And, and so I, I I think of that because it's like, you know, you look at someone like Candace Owens mm-hmm. and the RNC happened mm-hmm. and they're like struggling to have black people speak at this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You didn't call Candace Owens? And, and so... even I, You know what even they acknowledge? Mm. A lot of black people who are devoutly Republican and conservative are crazy as shit. <laughs> even they acknowledge it. Right. Like, can't, can't put this motherfucker in front of an audience, man. It's like, I'm a la- I'm going to let this dude open this. I'm going to let this woman speak. They, they acknowledge that those people appear to be terribly angry in many instances, mm-hmm. overly docile in others. Mm. They appear to be very ill and unformed beings. And like, we cannot put these type of beings in front of an audience. They're going to look and say, what are we doing to our blacks? Yeah. Yo, that's hilarious because like Candace was so pissed, at, you know, at the RNC, she tweeted, "They should have had me," <laughs> yeah. you know. And I'm kind of like, if you were her, you should understand that they're acknowledging that they don't really fuck with you, like, right? You know, at a time right. where you should get that call and right. you don't get it, you should know. But they bring Herschel Walker to say, you know, Trump isn't racist because he wasn't racist to me, right? And <laughs> and Herschel has been crazy Jesus for so Christ, long man. that I think for them it's just a matter of. Him basically being a statue. We can just mm-hmm. place him anywhere yeah, within they, the argument and the movement, and he'll be fine because people will just look up at him. Because who who else used him for something recently? I think um, somebody else uh, that brought him out for some Republican shit. I last saw him. He was brought in to counter BET's Get Out and Vote uh, campaign. <laughs> And he didn't in any way say anything about voting or not. He Mm. simply kept talking about how for those who are middle class and wealthy blacks, your quality of life has improved under this president. So why would you vote any other way? That's so crazy, man. And to listen to him speak, I'm like, he completely has avoided the argument being made that more poor, young, and black and brown people need to vote than simply saying, ain't you glad about all that money you got? Look, I wrote this column about, um, I was like, there's two Americas. There's mm-hmm. the black America, and then there's the America that's in white people's imagination. Mm-hmm. And and I thought about, you know, Herschel Walker talking about, oh, well, you know, I've known Trump for 30 years, and he's not racist to me, uh, so I wouldn't be friends with somebody that's a racist or whatever. And I, and I, and I thought about um, Mookie mm-hmm. and Pino mm-hmm. having their discussion and do the right, right thing right you know it's like who is truly black and who is not yeah <laughs> oh you know because he's because he's saying you know who who's your favorite basketball player he's like magic johnson mm-hmm. favorite actor eddie murphy you know favorite musician you know prince prince you know, he said yeah. bruce or whatever but uh-huh. it's just like all of your favorite people are black mm-hmm. but 
you know, everything else. You say nigga this, nigga that, and you're disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know. And he's like, oh, they're not black, they're, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's something yeah. else and blah, 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 blah. So it's like, of course somebody like Donald Trump is going to be nice to a Mike Tyson mm-hmm. if Trump is dealing in Vegas and Mike Tyson can make him millions make of dollars. Millions right? of dollars. You're, you're seen as, listen, he's going to walk by and polish off a slot machine. Yeah. Because it earns him tons of yeah, money. Yeah. You're going to get the same regard from him. Yeah. And so and so it dis- it's disappointing that somebody like Herschel Walker would, would just be like, not see that aspect of it. It's like, I don't care about how well the celebrity is treated. Right. How do you treat the waiter? <laughs> how, do see, you treat, even, how do you treat somebody that, that can't do anything for you? The choice that black people have to make, and there are many of us who I think become broken by the demands of the choices, whether or not you want to acknowledge the system, and when the system looks upon you and becomes aware of you, mm-hmm. if you acknowledge it, I see what you are doing to my people. Mm-hmm. You see it, it will see you back, and it may come for you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Even right now, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned I'm going to be moving back into federal employment mm-hmm. later this month. Mm-hmm. There are folks who are going to hear this conversation. Yeah. But like, you see, what is, how can... <laughs> we have a choice to make, and there are many of us who, under the weight of that choice, will mm-hmm. simply say, I cannot continue to try to stand up and bear this burden. Like, what does it mean... When I become wealthy, if Mm -hmm. I ever do, when I'm trying to make a living, when I'm trying to progress in my career, if I take up the banner and the standard for my community, Mm -hmm. there can be such powerful, staunch, and committed resistance that it breaks me. And many of our folks are just not prepared to have that fight. Or they give in because, again, you think about the matrix. Yeah. The, The condition is I'm going to be put back into a pod and I'm going to be given this reality, like Herschel Walker, yeah. where it's like I'm getting the kind of stake programmed into me yeah. and the kind of life that I want every day. If I resist it yeah. and I unplug, yeah. what is that life going to be like for me? Like, I'm not black. I'm OJ. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I know you got to run. Yes, sir. Any uh, parting words or anything that you uh, that's been interesting on your mind that you haven't shared that you kind of want to? Um, I, we didn't get to, to get around to music, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm continuing to see a number of our folks, I mean, especially in my age bracket, complain about the quality of music that is out there. And I want for folks to take the responsibility of finding quality themselves. Absolutely. I continually feel that. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of laziness around tracking it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yesterday, I was listening to some Mac Hami. Mm-hmm. Followed that up by some Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt in many ways kind of affirmed yeah. with having that. I want for it, not just with music, in, in all walks of life, people go and find what works. There are creators who are making everything that is beautiful and life-affirming. Go to it. Yeah. And and for the people on Facebook that spend time complaining about the shit they don't like, <laughs> right. music-wise, that's why every Friday I'm like, well, what are you listening to? Yeah, what what, what do you like? What, what y'all hoes listening yeah, to? Yeah, what y'all hoes yeah. listening to, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and um, for people that's looking for music also, on my website, preachjacobs.co, mm-hmm. or you can go to the Mo Better Soul uh, uh, SoundCloud page. Man, go, go on and buy something, man. Please go buy, on and please, buy something. Please buy something. Not, not just go there. Go on when you get on there. Man. Listen, <laughs> you're going to spend more for food today than you would for 
over 90% of the items out of there, man. Go on and support a Whoa. brother who is a creator in this city and in this state and our world. He He's going to be entirely too humble, so I'm going to stump for him I'm a little bit. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I didn't pay him to go on this. ahead and make that happen, man. You know, we have a brother with us who is bringing you this work here now that you're listening to, and I'm hoping that you go about the business of sharing it. Listen, Preach Jacobs in many instances and in many ways represents a lot of what is great about this city and this state. Man, put a little bit in that brother's pocket, man, and then go do the same for some other creators, man. That comes back around. Karma, do that. Okay, well, I ain't gonna say nothing else. He just, he just, he just <laughs> deaded everything I was about to say. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can people read your work? Where can people stalk you on, um, yeah, on Instagram? Medium, Napoleon Wells. Just pull me up there um, on Twitter. It's Napoleon BX Sith. I talk a lot about a lot. Um, you can find me on Instagram, your brother I am. Uh, I'd say the best place to look for a lot of the work that I do is at Medium. Uh, I try to get a column out just about every week, talk about a little bit about everything, wellness, trying to save one's life. Um, I talk here and there, but not all of you make enough money to get into my talk, so I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, but <laughs> I try and do everything <laughs> in my power to make sure that, that what I do is more public um, and so folks can get to it. Black people, black men, black women deserve to be happy. That is my major focus. That is my foundation. And I'll continue to press that. All right. Well, we appreciate you so much. This is the Negro League Podcast, sponsored by Mobetta Soul Clothing. Go to mobetasoul.com. Also, Down East Records at downeastrecords.com for your record needs. And also, preachjacobs.co. Every week, I do a mix on there. You can see a video of me DJing in my house, looking all sexy. Or you can listen to the audio on our SoundCloud page. And we also have Mobetta Soul Radio, a couple episodes. Bro, give right them the now. cash app. Give them the cash app. The cash app is dollar sign, Mobetta Soul, M-O-B-E-T-T-A, Soul. Give them the cash app. <laughs> this is the Eagle League. Thank y'all for listening. Peace. Let me see.